0: Hello and welcome to Title Volume by Breathe Easy Pediatrics, a podcast where we look at the core concepts of pediatric pulmonology care. My name is Christina Beretta, and I'm a pediatric pulmonologist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Medicine and Public Health. I'm here with Dr. Chris Green, who is a pediatric pulmonologist and professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin. We're here today to talk about the concept of RC time constants.
1: Thanks, Christina. The notion of RC time constants is a useful concept that helps us to understand how the respiratory system works. Understanding time constants can help us to better care for our patients. Today we'll talk about what RC time constants are and why they are important, and then talk about some case scenarios where understanding RC time constants is useful.
0: Sounds good. Before we dive in, can you define an RC time constant?
1: The RC time constant is the product of the respiratory system resistance and the respiratory system compliance. Throughout this talk, we will mostly be saying RC time constants. Some physiologists and clinicians shorten the term to just time constants. Both RC time constants and time constants refer to the same thing. I like using the full term RC time constants Because it references the role that resistance, which is the R, and compliance, which is the C, play in this concept. At a very basic level, RC time constants refer to how fast the lungs empty. We know that some lungs empty faster than other lungs. For example, an infant can be ventilated at 60 breaths per minute, which is a rate that would not be used on an adult because the adult lung would not have enough time to appropriately empty at that rate.
0: So in general, infants have shorter RC time constants compared with adults, so it takes less time for an infant to empty their lungs compared to an adult.
1: Yes. As another example, we may ventilate a patient who has interstitial lung disease with poorly compliant lungs at a higher rate with an increased I to E ratio. That is, a relatively high inspiratory time to expiratory time ratio compared to a patient with normal lungs. On the other hand, we would ventilate a child with acute respiratory failure due to status asthmaticus at a lower respiratory rate with a decreased IE ratio with an expiratory time that is longer than usual compared to the expiratory time used in a healthy subject or a healthy patient. Behind these strategies is the time constant, which is determined by the respiratory system resistance and the respiratory system compliance.
0: So, as a review, respiratory resistance is the change in pressure needed to generate a unit of flow in the system. So, resistance is the ratio of a change in pressure to a given airflow. Respiratory compliance is how easily the respiratory system can change volume under a certain pressure change and is the ratio of a change in volume to the change in pressure of a system.
1: Yes, these are important because the time constant is calculated by multiplying the resistance of the respiratory system by the compliance of the respiratory system. The time constant is represented by the Greek letter tau. Therefore, the time constant, which some people refer to as tau, equals the resistance times the compliance. Time constants may be measured during inspiration or during exhalation. However, in general, it is the expiratory time constant that is measured.
0: Okay, so when clinicians are talking about long or short time constants, they're typically referring to how slow or fast the lungs of that patient empties. What are the units of time constants?
1: The unit of time constants is seconds. This is because the units of resistance are centimeters of water per liter per second, a unit of pressure per a unit of flow. The unit of compliance is liters per centimeter of water, which is a unit of volume or liters per a unit of pressure, centimeters of water. When the units of resistance and compliance are multiplied, we get seconds, which is the unit for tau, the time constant.
0: Great. So do all countries around the world use these units, or are they unique to the United States?
1: No. In most of the world, pressures are measured in kilopascals. However, the unit for tau is still seconds. One kilopascal equals 10.2 centimeters of water.
0: That makes sense. So how do changes in resistance and compliance affect the time constant?
1: If tau equals R times C, then tau or the time constant will be longer when resistance is higher and, and or when compliance is higher. Conversely, the time constant is shorter when resistance is lower and or compliance is lower. A long time constant will be seen in obstructive diseases where high resistances are present. A short Time constant is seen in pulmonary fibrosis where the lungs have low compliance.
0: Since the time constant varies so much depending on resistance and compliance, why is it called the time constant?
1: The term time constant comes from electrical engineering. In electrical engineering, we measure capacitance instead of compliance and electrical resistance instead of mechanical resistance. The time constant in electrical circuits is defined as the time for a charged RC circuit to discharge 63% from a full charge to a full discharge. As long as the resistance and capacitance of the circuit are constant, the time constant will also be a constant. In respiratory physiology, if the respiratory system resistance and compliance are constant, then the time constant would consequently be fixed. In pulmonary physiology and pathophysiology, Respiratory mechanics, specifically resistance and compliance change with lung volume and with the disease state of the patient. Therefore, the time constant in pulmonary physiology is less of a constant than in a fixed electrical circuit. However, we still use the term time constant.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: An important point to note is that the resistances, compliances and time constants we are discussing are all properties of the respiratory system For this reason, resistance is more accurately depicted as a capital R with a subscript RS for resistance of the respiratory system. Likewise, compliance is often depicted as a capital C with a subscript RS. And as we discussed before, the time constant is often depicted as the Greek letter tau with a subscript RS. We can and do measure airway resistance in the plethysmograph We could also measure pulmonary resistance and compliance, but these measurements are rarely carried out because they require the placement of an esophageal catheter.
0: And as a review for us all, pulmonary resistance is the resistance of the lungs and includes the resistance in the airways, which is about 80%, and the resistance in the lung tissue. The resistance of the whole respiratory system is equal to the sum of the pulmonary resistance plus the chest wall resistance. It is also notable that the resistance is primarily in the upper airways, especially in children.
1: Yes, and in addition to the resistance, the compliance of the respiratory system plays a major role. As we previously mentioned, it is the expiratory time constant that is generally measured. We will not specify this further, but the listeners should understand that we are discussing only expiratory time constants in this podcast.
0: Got it. So, as a review, the time constant is influenced by the resistance of the entire respiratory system as well as the compliance of the entire respiratory system. Now, how about time constants in a healthy patient?
1: In a relaxed, healthy subject, expired gas from the lungs will flow at rates that are well approximated by a single exponential function. That is, the expiratory flow initially decreases rapidly and later in expiration decreases more slowly. Here we are discussing only passive flow in a relaxed patient. We are not discussing forced flow during which the patient pushes air out of his or her lungs. The airflow during passive exhalation is determined by the respiratory system resistance and compliance. In mechanical and in electrical systems, the decrease of gas flow or electrical current over time is defined by the time constant after one time constant, 63% of the gas to be exhaled will have flowed out of the patient. After two time constants pass, 86% of the gas will have flowed out of the patient. After the passage of each subsequent time constant, 95%, 98%, and 99% of the gas to be exhaled will have been exhaled. Therefore, after time five time constants have passed, 99% of the air to be exhaled will have been exhaled.
0: Interesting. So most of the air is exhaled during the first time constant, and a smaller amount of air is exhaled during each subsequent time constant.
1: Yes, now time constants in different areas of healthy lungs are similar. However, diseased lungs may have more and less diseased areas which have significantly varied time constants. As we all know, this can make mechanically ventilating lungs with heterogeneous disease challenging because some areas of the lung empty faster than other areas. However, the general behavior of the system is similar, with the biggest proportion of exhaled air being exhaled during the passage of one time constant and smaller volumes being exhaled with the passage of each subsequent time constant. As a reminder, there is no single time constant to exactly model the expiratory flows of diseased or heterogeneous lungs.
0: That makes sense. You know, anytime I think about lungs that are hard to mechanically ventilate, I think of patients with respiratory failure due to status asthmaticus who have increased airway resistance and therefore much longer time constants compared to kids with healthy lungs. One thing we worry a lot about with mechanically ventilating kids with status asthmaticus is intrinsic p- positive and expiratory pressure, which is also called auto peep. Do the increased time constants in asthma contribute to the potential complication of auto PEEP when mechanically ventilating these patients?
1: Yes. The notion of auto PEEP or intrinsic positive end expiratory pressure relates to whether the inspiratory tidal volume matches the expiratory tidal volume. If the inspiratory and expiratory tidal volumes match and airway pressure at the end of expiration is only the peep pressure set on the ventilator, then there is no auto peep. The peep set on the ventilator is not auto peep. Auto peep is present when some of the inspired tidal volume is not exhaled because the expiratory time is too short. In time constant language, at least three taus or three time constants should be allowed for full exhalation. As you'll recall, after three time constants, about 95% of the gas will
0: be exhaled. So even if we allow for three time constants where about 95% of the gas will be exhaled, that means that about 5% of the inspired tidal volume will not be exhaled. This means that once you start mechanically ventilating a patient, their end expiratory lung volume will start to increase because their inspired tidal volume is bigger than their expiratory tidal volume.
1: Yes, at the beginning of mechanical ventilation, that is true. However, auto PEEP is not significant if you allow for three-time constants when mechanically ventilating a patient. Even though initially about 5% of the inspired tidal volume will not be exhaled, an equilibrium at a somewhat higher end expiratory lung volume will soon be established. This occurs because as the end expiratory lung volume initially increases, The respiratory system resistance decreases and the respiratory system compliance decreases. So, because tau equals R times C, this means. As end expiratory lung volume increases, the expiratory time constant will decrease due to the decrease in resistance and compliance.
0: Okay. So as the end expiratory lung volume increases, initially, the expiratory time constant decreases. So a new equilibrium between the inspiratory tidal volume and expiratory tidal volume is reached?
1: Yes. As the end-expiratory volume increases and the expiratory time constant decreases, there is a point where the inspiratory tidal volume matches the expiratory tidal volume. This is because the new time constant of the respiratory system is now shorter.
0: That makes sense. So if you keep the same ventilatory settings with the same inspiratory and expiratory times, What initially had been 3 time constants for exhalation is now 4 or 5 time constants, which allows for basically a full exhalation.
1: Yes. Now this new equilibrium is not typically a problem if it occurs at a slightly raised lung volume. However, if this new equilibrium occurs at a much higher end expiratory lung volume, end expiratory pressure will be higher in the ventilator circuit and in the lungs of the patient. This extra pressure due to incomplete exhalation and a higher end expiratory lung volume is auto-PEEP.
0: Oh, yes. And it's critical to know about auto-PEEP because if the lung volume becomes too large, there can be a decrease in lung perfusion as well as a decrease in the venous return to the right side of the heart from the vena cava too much lung volume can also result in anemothorax. If you notice that your mechanically ventilated patient is not exhaling fully, leading to complications from elevated lung volumes, it is best to just briefly disconnect the patient from the ventilator to allow them to fully exhale their tidal volume and then change their ventilator settings to ones that allow for longer exhalation times, like decreasing the respiratory rate or tidal volumes or increasing their inspiratory flow rate. One of the goals with these maneuvers is to decrease the patient's end expiratory lung volume to a more acceptable range.
1: Exactly. Now there are other scenarios where you actually want to see an increase in the end expiratory lung volumes. Our listeners who have attended births have probably seen a classic scenario many times, but may never have thought to describe it. As we all know, infants often cry right after birth and during crying, they have a partial adduction of the vocal cords. This partial adduction of the vocal cords is called expiratory breaking and increases the expiratory resistance of the respiratory system. The increased resistance of the respiratory system is actually useful because it leads to an increase in, in expiratory lung volume in these infants, which is needed as they transition from lungs filled with fluid to lungs filled with air. This breathing pattern of expiratory breaking is even more common in preterm infants compared with healthy infants born at term.
0: It is nice to have a term for this. To help us all remember this term, I'll phrase this as a mini quiz question. The question is, in a spontaneously breathing newborn, what is the normal phenomenon that increases the end expiratory lung volume?
1: Expiratory breaking. In a spontaneously breathing infant, the normal phenomenon of expiratory breaking increases the end expiratory lung volume. This is mediated by partial adduction of the vocal cords. Expiratory breaking increases the expiratory time constant by increasing the respiratory system resistance.
0: So right after birth, neonates increase the time constant of the respiratory system by expiratory breaking. How do time constants of the respiratory system change with age?
1: That's an interesting question. From what we know in infants with healthy lungs, the time constants are shortest at birth and then increase until childhood. After childhood and into adulthood, time constants stay about the same unless the child or adult develops a disease that increases the resistance and or compliance of his or her respiratory system.
0: Interesting. What are the typical time constants across the lifespan?
1: In healthy infants, tau, increases from about three-tenths of a second to about six-tenths of a second during the first year of life. Thereafter, tau remains about the same with normal values for tau in adults found by other investigators to be in the range of five-tenths to eight-tenths seconds.
0: Okay, so those are for healthy lungs. What are time constants like in some common diseases that we encounter?
1: Well, in neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, Tau is shorter than in healthy neonates and may range from 7 one-hundredths to 20 one-hundredths of a second compared to about three to six tenths of a second in infants with normal lungs.
0: Okay, so time constants for neonates with respiratory distress syndrome are shorter than that of healthy neonates. Now, how about the time constant of something like adult respiratory distress syndrome?
1: In adults with ARDS, tau is often lower than the usual five tenths of a second although values for tau and ARDS have been cited as in the normal range of 5 to 7 tenths of a second. This likely relates to heterogeneity of regional lung time constants. Some regional taus in ARDS may be very short, while others may be normal. In contrast, in adults with COPD, tau may be much higher, 2.5 seconds, for example.
0: Okay, so to review, Time constants are often shorter in people with restrictive lung disease, such as neonatal respiratory distress syndrome or pediatric and adult respiratory distress syndrome, but time constants tend to be longer in obstructive airway diseases like asthma.
1: Yes, and it is also important to remember that many pulmonary diseases are heterogeneous. That is certain areas of the lung are affected in different ways. So some areas can have short or long time constants while other areas of the same lung have normal time constants.
0: That is a good reminder. Now that we've discussed what time constants are and why they're important, let's talk about some clinical case scenarios that allow us to apply our knowledge of time constants to the bedside. For this next part of the podcast, we'll start by describing a case scenario and then ask some questions. After giving our listeners some time to think about how they would answer our questions, we'll discuss our answers. Our first case is a 16 year old young man with advanced cystic fibrosis and severe obstructive airway disease who presents an acute respiratory failure requiring intubation. What would the time constants of his lungs be compared to lungs of healthy people? How might you tailor your ventilatory strategy knowing this about his lungs?
1: These are good starting questions. The answer to the first question is that the time constant of this young man's respiratory system would be longer than the time constant of the respiratory system of a healthy person. Because this young man has obstructive airways disease from the severe inflammation that occurs in advanced cystic fibrosis, the resistance in this patient's airways would be very high. Since the time constant of the respiratory system is equal to resistance multiplied by compliance, this patient's time constant would be increased as a result of the patient's increased airway resistance. This patient's time constant is probably closer to 2.5 seconds rather than the normal of 5 tenths to 8 tenths of a second. As far as the second question and ventilatory strategies, since we know that people whose lungs have long time constants are at increased risk of increasing end-expiratory lung volume when they are mechanically ventilated because it takes a long time for the lungs to empty, it is important that this patient is ventilated with a long expiratory time. For this patient, we would choose ventilator settings with a low respiratory rate, like 10 breaths per minute, and an I to E ratio closer to one to five rather than the usual one to two. This increased I to E ratio of one to five can allow the lungs to better empty and decrease the risk of breast stacking and pneumothorax. This strategy would allow for an expiratory time of five seconds per breath. If the patient's RC time constant is as high as 2.5 seconds, then even a longer expiratory time may be needed.
0: So given all the potential complications with mechanical ventilation, is it safer to just let the patient in the scenario to continue to spontaneously breathe?
1: Sometimes, yes. The challenge in safety and optimally mechanically ventilating patients with airway disease with long time constants is one reason why we try to avoid mechanical ventilation if possible. Patients with severe obstructive disease and long time constants self-regulate their I to E ratios when they are breathing on their own. So they are not as at much risk for breast stacking and pneumothorax as they are when mechanically ventilated. When you take away that self-regulation by sedating and mechanically ventilating the patient, you control the I to E ratio. And it might not be the ratio that the patient needs.
0: Yes, that can be very challenging. For the 16-year-old patient with advanced CF who is requiring mechanical ventilation despite our best efforts, Let's say we start his ventilator settings at 12 breaths per minute with an IDE ratio of one to three. The time constant measured by the ventilator is 2.5 seconds. What would happen to this patient's end expiratory lung volume on these ventilator settings compared with when he was spontaneously breathing just before the onset of mechanical ventilation?
1: Another good question. This one takes a bit of math that is tricky to do mentally, so I'll talk through how I get to my answer. For this patient with a set respiratory rate at 12 breaths per minute and an IDE ratio of 1 to 3, his expiratory time would be 3.75 seconds. I found this expiratory time by taking 60 seconds in a minute and dividing that by 12 breaths per minute to find that one breathing cycle takes 5 seconds. Since the IDE ratio is set at 1 to 3, that means three quarters of the breathing cycle is spent in expiration. 3 quarters multiplied by 5 seconds equals 3.75 seconds. So, the expiratory time on these ventilator settings would be 3.75 seconds. However, this patient's time constant is 2.5 seconds. So, 3.75 seconds divided by 2.5 is 1.5. Therefore, his expiratory time on these ventilator settings is only equal to about 1.5 time constants. In general, you need at least three time constants for adequate exhalation. In this patient, we are only allowing him to exhale for 1.5 time constants, which results in incomplete exhalation of the inspired air volume, leading to an increase in the end expiratory lung volume. After several breaths, as the lung volume increases, respiratory system resistance decreases, and respiratory system compliance decreases, resulting in a decrease in tau, such that the inspiratory tidal volume eventually will equal the expiratory tidal volume. However, this will occur at a higher lung volume than before the institution of mechanical ventilation. In this scenario, auto people will be present due to the initial incomplete exhalations and due to the eventual equilibrium at a higher than baseline lung volume.
0: Oh, and as we discussed before, elevated end expiratory lung volumes can decrease lung perfusion, decrease venous return to the right side of the heart and increase the risk for pneumothorax. I think this case shows how paying attention to the expiratory time constant reading on a mechanical ventilator can be helpful to understand how your ventilation strategy is going. In this patient who already has a pretty low respiratory rate, you might want to try decreasing their tidal volumes or increase their inspiratory flow rate In order to allow for a longer exhalation time that is more agreeable with the time constant of their lungs.
1: Yes, these can be very challenging cases. What is another scenario where time constants are important to consider?
0: Well, here's a general example. Say we have an infant who is intubated with a 3.5 millimeter internal diameter endotracheal tube. However, because high ventilator pressures were required to produce a leak around the ET tube, the 3.5 millimeter ET tube is replaced with a smaller 3.0 millimeter ET tube. The question to consider in this scenario is, what effect does this new smaller ET tube have on the RC time constants of this system that includes both the patient's respiratory system and the ET tube?
1: Well, the smaller ET tube has a higher resistance or R than the larger ET tube. Since the product of R and C is equal to the time constant, the time constant or tau of the system will increase.
0: Okay, so having a smaller ET tube increases the time constant of the whole system by increasing the resistance. Now, would having a smaller ET tube in place cause the patient's end expiratory lung volume to be higher or lower compared to when the larger ET tube was in?
1: Well, this depends on the expiratory time and the time constants of the new system. If the expiratory time is less than three time constants of the new system, then the end expiratory lung volume would increase with the smaller tube in place due to the incomplete emptying of the inspired tidal volume.
0: Yeah, because with three time constants, about 95% of the inspired lung volume is exhaled, which is usually sufficient to prevent significant auto-peep.
1: Exactly. If the increase in tau is large enough that the patient cannot fully exhale after each inspiration, then the patient's lung volume at end expiration will increase. This will result in auto PEEP. If the expiratory time is more than 3 tau, there will be no significant increase in auto PEEP.
0: Okay, so now that we've discussed auto PEEP, let's move on to talking about how extrinsic PEEP and how adding extrinsic PEEP can affect this patient's end expiratory lung volume and how adding extrinsic PEEP can affect this respiratory system's resistance, compliance, and time constant. Say we added an extrinsic PEEP of six centimeters of water to the ventilator circuit. What effects would this additional extrinsic PEEP have on this patient's end expiratory lung volume?
1: Well, this one is pretty intuitive and something that we all have experience with. Adding extra PEEP will increase the end expiratory lung
0: volume. And what effect will that increase in end expiratory lung volume have on this respiratory systems resistance compliance and time constant.
1: As we discussed earlier, when the end expiratory lung volume increases. The resistance and compliance of the system usually both decrease. Since the time constant is the product of the resistance times the compliance, the time constant will also decrease. Adding extrinsic PEEP will ultimately decrease the respiratory system's resistance, compliance, and time constant. On the other hand, there are cases in which PEEP is added to the circuit of a patient with low lung volumes due to atelectasis. The atelectasis may resolve due to the addition of PEEP and due to positive pressure mechanical ventilation. In this case, the respiratory system compliance may increase due to the loss of atelectasis, while the respiratory system resistance decreases. Therefore, the product of the two may remain constant or might increase or decrease.
0: That's a good reminder that atelectasis decreases pulmonary compliance, so by resolving it, you can increase the compliance of the lungs.
1: Yes. Now let's talk about an activity outside of the hospital that can be really risky for people who have lung disease with long time constants.
0: What were you thinking of?
1: One activity that pediatric pulmonologists are sometimes consulted on is scuba diving. This is because people who have lung diseases where there are areas of their lungs with long time constants are at significantly increased risk of experiencing a pneumothorax, pneumomediastinum, pneumopericardium, and or an intravascular air embolism as they ascend from the depths of the water to the surface.
0: Yeah, none of those things are good. Can you talk about how that relates to long time constants in scuba diving?
1: This has to do with the dramatic changes in ambient pressure involved with scuba diving. As you can imagine, people with lung cysts, apical bullae, or diseases where there is heterogeneity in how well different parts of the lungs are ventilated, such as asthma, cystic fibrosis, or COPD, will have areas of their lungs which have prolonged time constants. This means that certain areas of their lung Will have longer time constants compared with other areas. In fact, for people with lung cysts or bully, the time constant of the lung cyst or bulla may be very long. This means that those areas of the lung do not reach pressure equilibrium with each breathing cycle. This isn't a problem when the patient is breathing at an ambient pressure without dramatic changes in the pressure. However, when the ambient pressure around the subject decreases quickly, such as ascending from a dive, this can lead to major problems.
0: Yeah, that's not good. Let's dive in and talk about why.
1: To understand the issue, you have to know a bit about scuba diving. During scuba descents, all areas of the lung will accumulate more moles of air because divers breathe air under pressure as they descend. A cubic centimeter of alveoli will contain twice the number of molecules or moles of gas at 32 feet below the surface as the same volume held when the diver was at the surface. Remember that pressure at depth increases by one atmosphere for each 32 feet of descent from the surface. Like we said before, the time constants of a lung cyst or bulla may be very long, 30 seconds for example, compared with the normal five-tenths of a second. As the subject descends 32 feet to the surface in 30 seconds, the volume of gas in the airways alveoli and in the cyst or bulla will double. However, only about 63% of the gas in the bulla or cyst will be able to flow out of that area in 30 seconds because of the long time constant there. The remaining air will be retained in the cyst and will double in volume. This is the mechanism for air escaping the lung and moving into the pleural space or elsewhere.
0: Makes sense. Is that also a problem for people with lung cysts ascending in altitude in an airplane?
1: Similar risks are not present during the commercial air flights because the ambient pressure changes are slower and are much smaller. Commercial aircraft cabins are pressurized to a barometric pressure equivalent to 5 to 8,000 feet above sea level. The pressure changes occur slowly and provide time for pressure and volume equilibrium as the ambient pressure changes. However, patients with long time constants do run the risk of pneumothorax if they fly in a non-pressurized aircraft, if there are dramatic drops in the ambient pressure as the plane ascends.
0: Makes sense. Yes, it can be hard to counsel patients with lung cysts that they should avoid scuba diving. They are pretty disappointed. Let's talk about a clinical scenario around the question of scuba diving and how to counsel the patient. Say you have a 13-year-old girl scheduled for a consultation in your clinic. The patient's parents and older sister are avid scuba divers. This patient had wheezing noted during a viral infection on a single examination in urgent care 10 years ago. The local scuba diving instructors will not accept new students who have asthma due to, quote, increased risk of complications, end quote. Your examination of the lungs is normal with no wheezing or prolongation of exhalation. The patient performs spirometry. The results are normal. What would you do next?
1: I do a cold air challenge, even though cold air challenges are not performed on most patients in pediatrics. This is a situation where we desire a test with a very high sensitivity for the presence of exercise-induced asthma.
0: That makes sense. In this case, the cold air challenge shows no evidence of bronchial hyperresponsiveness. Since the cold air challenge did not show evidence of bronchial hyperresponsiveness, how would you counsel the family?
1: I reassure the patient and the family that a single episode of wheezing does not prove that asthma is or was present and that many young children will have wheezing once or twice but do not develop asthma. Furthermore, the current normal examination and normal cold air challenge makes the diagnosis of asthma highly unlikely. Therefore this patient may participate in scuba diving with no increased risk.
0: Great. After all of our challenging scenarios, it's good to have a scenario with a happy outcome. Now let's talk about another scenario. Say a 15 year old girl starts scuba lessons in the classroom setting. However, after just one classroom lesson, she falls off her bicycle and complains of lateral chest pain where she fell on the handlebar of her bicycle. The chest radiograph is obtained. This shows an incidental six centimeter diameter lung cyst in the right lower lobe. How does this finding change the patient's risk related to scuba diving?
1: Well, this scenario has a more disappointing outcome. Lung cysts generally have long time constants. If this patient scuba dives, the cyst will gradually fill with the compressed air breathed at depth. During ascent at the end of the dive, this air may not be able to equilibrate with the ambient pressure. The air in the cyst will expand, potentially escaping the alveoli. Patients with lung cysts are at a high risk for pneumothorax or air embolism if they participate in scuba diving. This patient should not participate in scuba diving.
0: Mm, That is disappointing. Well, at least you met a pediatric pulmonologist in time for some proper guidance. Hopefully they can find another fun hobby that doesn't involve dramatic changes in ambient pressure. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time today to discuss time constants and why knowledge about them is so important to our work as pediatric pulmonologists.
1: Christina, thank you for this opportunity and for an interesting discussion.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Tidal Volume presented by Breathe Easy Pediatrics. If you have any questions or feedback, you can find me on Twitter at PalmPedsDoc. For those of you without Twitter who would like to give us some feedback, we also have an email, ATSPeds at gmail.com. You can also find some references about the material that we discussed in today's podcast on the ATS website for this podcast. Thanks again for listening.